minister here at ECC. Fun fact, he was the college minister here for five years. Um, he's from New York, went to Houghton University, um, Trinity Seminary, and Covenant Seminary. This guy's too educated for his own good. Um, just kidding. Does you good. Uh, <laughs> that's what his grandparents tell him, he says. Um, Dan is a fan of medical, of not medical music, metal music and zombies. Uh, I shared this about Dan in our men's ministry on Wednesday night. I think it was my big brother on our church staff um, because he's super old. Uh, <laughs> I think of him as my big brother because he often punches me walking down the hall. He also likes to make fun of me a lot. And uh, if he wasn't here, I would say that I also really respect him and kind of look up to him too. Um, but he's not here, so. Uh, Dan Wallach. Uh, thanks, Josiah. Yeah, it's. It's good to be here. Um, I haven't been here in a while, and I've been here for 10 years here at ECC, and Connection has always, and I think always will, have a special place, not only in my heart, but the heart of the church. It's just a, it's a cool ministry. Uh, and it, you guys bring so much life and energy and uh, just perspective uh, to this church. We, we love it, and I love being here. So thank you for letting me be here. Um, and I like being the big brother to some of the younger guys on staff. I am now at the point where my kids, where you're closer to my kids' age than you are to mine, and that's sad. Wow. <laughs> old when I say that, but uh, yeah, Josiah said that I went to Houghton College, and one of the things I like about being here at Bloomington is it lets me just get a taste of big university life, because Houghton was anything but big. Um, I think we had 1,200 students at the college, uh, our most popular sport was soccer, and on a good day, we, you know, 300 people would come out to watch the soccer team play. Uh, and the town was just, it was a dump, okay? Uh, nothing good at all about the town. Uh, matter of fact, if you wanted a place to study, you had to get in your car, you know, other than your dorm room, you had to get in your car and drive to the next town to a truck stop. And you'd be sitting there studying, you know, for me it was political science, next to the truckers smoking their camels, and you know, it was not a great experience. But I love that truck stop because it's where I met my first love, coffee. Uh, <laughs> my house burns down, the first thing I'm going to get is the coffee maker, and then we'll see about anyone else. You know, it's that near and dear to me. Uh, but it was at that truck stop pulling, you know, late night, all-nighters studying that I kind of started to drink coffee, but coffee's an acquired taste. Does anyone like, does anyone not like coffee? You can leave now. <laughs> no, stick with it, it'll grow on you. It, it's this acquired taste, you know, the first time you taste it, it it's bitter, kind of has this weird, almost a texture to it, especially at the truck stop, because there's always coffee grounds in it. You know, so you had to drink it a lot, and, and then you, you came to, well, for me, crave it. Okay, I drink like what, probably eight cups a day. Wow. Yeah, say that at least. Um, I go through one of those AirPods. I share with other staff people if they're here. If they're not, I do a little dance because then I can drink the whole thing myself. Uh, that's how much it is. But okay, so coffee, acquired taste. You grow to love it, grow to crave it. Uh, I think holiness is a lot the same way. You know, when you first hear of holiness, you're like, 
Uh, and images might come to mind of you know Puritans, stodgy old folk. It doesn't seem like it's something you, you desire or you crave. But I think as you grow and you mature in your Christian walk, it is become it, it becomes something that, that's beautiful. It becomes something that you desire intensely and, and you well crave. Now, for the time I got here tonight, I just want to hopefully spark in you this, this desire to pursue holiness. And, and I want to show you that I think from the Bible why holiness is a beautiful thing and hopefully help me give you some kind of practical strategies on how to pursue holiness in your individual life. So um, five characteristics tonight, five characteristics of holiness that I want to share with you. And I think I need to turn this on. Josiah told me you guys appreciate slides. I thought, you know, one slide is good, 22 will be better. So, you know, I'll be overkill with the slide. We'll see, okay? So the beauty of holiness, five characteristics of holiness. Uh, the first thing, holiness is required, or holiness is necessary. One of the grand truths of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, we're given his righteousness. I know Josiah has done such a fantastic job this semester, last year, of grounding you guys in that gospel truth. That in Jesus Christ, you are united with him and you share his righteousness. He grants it to you so that you can be called a saint. That's one of Paul's favorite ways of starting his letters in the New Testament. To the saints who are in Ephesus or Corinth. Saints simply means holy ones. To the ones who are holy. And Paul can say that because he knows that they're in Christ and they're sharing in Christ's righteousness. But that truth, that in Christ we're made righteous and holy, shouldn't make us lazy about pursuing holiness in our daily living. Matter of fact, I think it ought to motivate us to live out who we truly are in Christ. It's one of these cool paradoxes of the New Testament. That we're called saints, holy ones, and yet we're also called to pursue holiness. You see it in one verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 1-2. Uh, uh, Paul writes, To the church of God that is at Corinth, to those sanctified, which means made holy. And it's past tense, you've already been sanctified, it says to them. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, or called to be, or called to live out holiness, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you are holy, you are saints, you are sanctified. Now be holy, be saints, be sanctified. It's both we are in Christ and we're called to be. And it's not an optional thing. It's not, you know, one thing on the salad bar that you can be, ah, I don't feel like banana peppers today, I'll just leave them. You know, it's essential to who we are as Christians to live holy, to live out this righteousness practically in our lives. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's the will of God for us to be holy. I know we're all very concerned about discovering the will of God for our life who to marry, what careers to choose, where to move to, all those kind of things. The will of God 
for you is that you'd be sanctified. I can say that definitively. I can't tell you who to marry. I can't tell you where to go to you know, graduate school or what jobs to take. I can tell you for certain God's will for you is to be sanctified. That you pursue and become holy. This verse might be one of the most scary verses in the Bible. I feel like I need to duck because I'm in the way. Hebrews 12.4 Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, so it's required. It's a necessity. Now, is he here talking about the holiness that comes through our union with Jesus Christ that we're given? Yes and no. Yes, it's grounded and rooted in that, but this is the holiness that we're supposed to be striving for. Strive for this holiness. It's a requirement. Holiness is essential. Essential for the Christian walk. Uh, the second characteristic, holiness is the goal. Not just the goal of our Christian life, the goal of Christ and his redemptive work in our life. Holiness is the reason Christ pursued us and redeemed us. Uh, when I undertake projects, I usually get to the point in the project where I say, you know what, good enough. Uh, my son and I have been refinishing this really cool Fender guitar, uh, bass guitar, and we've stripped it down, we've tried to do this thing on it called swirl painting, and take one was a disaster, take two, take three were all disasters, take four, good enough, okay? You know what, I don't think that's ever going to be something we hear from Jesus' mouth. Good enough. He wants us to be holy and sanctified. It's the goal for which he redeemed us. He's not going to give up with a half-done job. He will complete us. He will bring us to sanctification. Here's just a great verse that shows that. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her with the washing of the water, uh, of, of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Why did Christ give himself up? To redeem the church, to save the church, and the people of the church, us, from our sin, and present us blameless and spotless, so that we might be holy. That's the reason Christ came. And what I love is that I know for certain he's not going to leave this job undone. You know, Paul's words, be confident of this, comes in Philippians chapter 1, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he's going to complete it. Not in the eh, good enough kind of way, but see it through to completion, utter completion. So holiness is necessary, holiness is the goal, and holiness is possible. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Okay, I, want to, I want that to be ground kind of zero here, right? He will do it. He's the one that's doing this work in us. But he's doing it in such a way that requires our participation, our cooperation. We aren't passive in this process of becoming holy. We're very active in it. Just before those sentences, Paul has given the church there in Thessalonica, I love saying that word, lots and lots of instructions on how they ought to live, how they ought to guard themselves against temptation and impurity. He expects them to cooperate in this process of becoming holy, trusting all along that God is the one who's going to bring it to completion. Now, there's different ways of, of cooperating, aren't there? Is anyone here from Western Pennsylvania? Josiah? Brittany? Okay, anyone else? What does this mean? Okay. Have any of you heard the phrase, ret up? Okay, so that was, that was a new one to me. When I married my wife, who's from Western Pennsylvania, Erie area, she asked me to write up the dishes. What the crap is that? <laughs> no idea. What it means is you get the dishes ready to be washed, at least in her house. So you clear the table, you put the dishes over by the sink, before dishwashers in her house, and now you've read up the dishes. You've done your part. Now the next person comes in and does the washing, and maybe the next person does the drying. Sometimes that's how we think of how God helps us in holiness. He does his part, now we do ours. Scratch that, I don't think that's it at all. Uh, when I help my wife do the dishes, which is all the time, okay, when I help, but we have a much more kind of organic cooperation. Okay? I'll grab a dish, I'll wash it, or rinse it, put it in the dishwasher, I'll grab a pot, hand it to her. We're cooperating. We're working in this together. And that's how this process of participating, of working with God, cooperating with His grace works in the pursuit of holiness. God's grace is working through us. His infused in us grace is working itself out, and we cooperate with Him. We cooperate with Him. We're not passive. We're active in this pursuit of, of beauty, of holiness. Here's where I want to get kind of real practical for a few minutes. There is no clock in here. I have no idea. Uh, so stick with a, a few kind of practical things I, that I hope will help you in your pursuit of holiness before we get back to two more really cool characteristics of holiness. So how do you pursue holiness? Um, I think the first thing has to be you have to desire it. My coaches, will, or my coaches, my son's coaches will say to them all the time, you got to want it. you got to want to work hard. you gotta want, you got to want to pursue the goal. I think it's important here. You, you have to desire holiness. If you don't, I think there's some really deep questions we have to ask about your relationship with the Lord and where it stands. Because being reborn into his household means you want to please your Heavenly Father. And holiness certainly pleases your Heavenly Father. So, step one, desire it. Step two, pray for it. Uh, in my prayer life, I know I, I far too often get bogged down with the, the nitty-gritty stuff. 
And probably not nearly often enough, am I praying prayers, well, for my soul. That, that God would fuel this desire in me. That God would help me in this pursuit of, of holiness. I know that my Heavenly Father, God, wants to grant good gifts. And I would contend that holiness is one of the best gifts He can grant to us. He's eager to give it to us if we pray and we ask. So pray for it. Uh, the third thing, fight for it. Okay? I'm not an artist, but I've been working on this tattoo design for a while now. It's in the trash polka in the genre of tattoos. It goes along with my love of heavy metal music. Okay? It, the tattoo is a, a, a spear and a Roman shield with the words, get up and fight. Get up and fight. Fight for holiness. It's not something that's going to come without a struggle. You're going to get knocked down and fall into temptation. Don't get stuck there. Get up and keep fighting. Fight against the sin in your life that easily entangles you and sucks you down. Uh, fight against the currents of our culture that, that pull you in directions that are immoral and unholy. Fight for love. Fight for holiness. Fight for beauty. But get up and fight. Don't expect it just to happen. Engage in the struggle for holiness. This is only a preview, right? Of what you're going to be talking about next week. You better believe it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say much. But rely on the Holy Spirit in the struggle and in the fight for holiness. Uh, follow the Spirit towards holiness. He's leading. He's guiding. But be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is doing that. How He's shaping your conscience. Paul says in Galatians 5, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But the fruit of the Spirit is, this is Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience. I'm going to stop there. I think I know them all. And I really don't. Uh, but follow the Spirit. He's leading you towards holiness. He's prompting you towards holiness. Develop an ear that's attuned to how he's leading. Uh, this thing, obey for it. Okay, my grammar's getting weird. I just tried to make it all, you know, work. But obey for it. Uh, the Lord's given us clear instructions on what holiness ought to look like. Not in every jot and tittle, not in every little way, you know, but he's given us clear instructions. Again, we so want, I think, to do the will of God and know what the will of God is. And for so many things, he's given us clear instructions on what his will is. So obey for it. That, uh, go back to Obey for it. You guys seen that uh, movie, What About Bob? You know? Uh, Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus, I think, right? And Bob is this kind of just delusional, not psychopath, he's, he's funny. Um, 
but he's trying to get better. And Richard Dreyfuss teaches him how to take baby steps towards you know, being better. And he just he walks to the elevator, you know, baby step in my way to the elevator, baby step in my way. You gotta go watch the movie. Because then what I just said will make sense. This is how we pursue holiness. Baby steps towards small acts of obedience. And what did I just do? I killed it. Okay. Step six in pursuing holiness. Make use of God's means for it. He hasn't left you without means to pursue holiness. Both private and public means. Private, and we've already mentioned praying. Pray about it. Pray for it. Search the scriptures. Allow the scriptures to sh shape you, to shape your thought life, your affections. Those are private means. Publicly, make sure you're with the people of God. They'll shape you. They'll urge you on towards holiness. Make use of listening to the preaching of God's word. It shapes you. It compels you towards holiness. Don't neglect things like baptism and the Lord's Supper. They're given to you for your good and to help you move towards holiness. So make use of God's means for it. And the last step that I have to offer you, there's probably 85 more, fix your eyes on Jesus for it. Oh, my son Jake just last week was at a speed and agility practice for baseball. He needs it. Um, big and slow and not all that coordinated and he was doing these ladder drills you guys know what those are? okay and his, he looked like he was about to fall over because he was looking down so intently at what his feet were doing and the coach stopped him and said Jake, you got to pick your eyes up you got to look up you're never going to be able to do this right if you're just looking down you're going to fall over it's like that in a Christian life too if we're just got our heads down, nose to the grindstone, trying to work it out, you're going to fall more often than you finish the drill. Fix your eyes on Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's how the author of Hebrews says it. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on him as your goal. That's who you're striving towards as the model that you're striving towards. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So holiness is required. Holiness is the goal of what Christ came to do in us. Holiness is possible. We cooperate with what God is doing in our lives. And holiness is happiness. I think this is really counterintuitive to most of us because of the stereotypes of holiness we have. For me, when you say holiness, one of the first images that comes to mind is a wood carving of Jonathan Edwards. Don't know why, but the dude looked like he was always sucking on lemons. He does not look happy. I think that's what most of us think about when we think of holiness. But that's not the biblical image at all. Here's just one example from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk into sin, but meditates on God's ways and on God's laws. 
blessed, happy is that man. I mean, when you dissect it and think about it, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That holiness would lead to happiness. Because God's the one that designed us. God's the one that has created us. He knows our inner workings and knows what will make us happy and eternally joyful. And he's the one that's laid down his laws, his precepts. He's the one that's called us to holiness. Not to kill our joy or to squash our happiness, but to lead us to true and lasting happiness. Now again, when sin is tempting us, it looks like that, at least for the moment, is what's going to make me happy. That's one of Satan's grand strategies. To get us to doubt God's goodness and that he's leading us towards true, lasting joy. Holiness is happiness. And here is the last thing. Holiness is beautiful. Again, I think it's counterintuitive. We don't, we don't always see it this way. And a lot of people who talk about holiness do it a disservice. I love coffee. Sometimes I've been to coffee shops and they serve really bad cups of coffee that shouldn't even be called coffee. Okay? Sometimes, though I love holiness, I see stereotypes or caricatures of holiness. That really turn me off. Because they're out of line with what the Bible says about holiness. Holiness ought to be a beautiful thing in our lives. Why? Because God's holiness is beautiful. And when we're pursuing holiness, we're pursuing one of the characteristics of God that makes Him beautiful. Psalm 29 says it this way. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. His holiness is splendid, marvelous, glorious, beautiful. And as we pursue holiness, that becomes true of us. Our holiness ought to be something that, rather than turn people off towards us or towards God, attracts them to us through our holiness and attracts people towards our majestic and beautiful God. So holiness is essential and holiness is beautiful. Holiness is the goal and holiness is possible and holiness is happiness. I hope that as we pursue holiness together, we can learn what it means to cooperate with God's grace in our life and live lives that are truly holy and truly attractive. And if you have questions about what that looks like, join the club. I don't know. I don't have all the details. But prayerfully, uh, I'd ask you to join us, the church, in this pursuit of holiness. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you how it reaches us and calls us to something better. Calls us to something truer. True happiness. True beauty. It isn't always how we think of it or how we see it. You're the ultimate definer of these things. And Father, we pray that we'd learn to take you for, at your word. 
that holiness is beautiful and holiness is the path to true and lasting happiness and joy. Father, we pray that you'd give us all the resources we need uh, to make holiness a reality in our lives. And we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.